Hello and welcome to Unleashing the Doctor Within. My name is Bridger Battaglia and I'm here with my buddy and fellow co-host Sam Wilkinson. We are second year medical students here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. And on this podcast, we're going to be hearing from leaders in healthcare about how they were able to accomplish awesome things in their careers so that we can hopefully do the same. Today, we're lucky to be joined by Tony Sai, the Director of Education Strategies. Not only is Tony a personal mentor to Bridger and me, but he also uses his MBA and military background to help advise uh, different leadership positions among medical students, residents, and attending physicians. So Tony, I thought we could start out this episode by hearing a little bit more about what you do here. Yeah, I have this book in my office. It's called Orbiting the Giant Hairball. And this is, this guy was, this is a book written by uh, Gordon McKenzie. He's the chief creative officer at Hallmark. He used to be, anyway. And so he talks about this hairball is like this organization, right? And then, and then it, what he does is kind of go around this organization, orbiting this like hairball. And so one time in the, in the book, his, his, uh, his boss was asked, what does Gordon do, you know? And so his, his, his boss said this, and I'm just going to read it. So Gordon's job is to keep track of new ideas and sort, sort of sense the spiritual needs of the organization and address them. And I said, you know what? That's kind of what I do. You know, I, I sort of just go around. I just like make sure everything's going okay, you know, with the faculty, with the students, you know. Uh, for me, my personal mission is the idea of connecting people to their meaning and purpose. And so this is with students and with faculty um, and kind of help us be the best school that we can be. And so there's this, there's this fable, this is called the, the fable of the three stone cutters. And it has this guy, he goes into this, this uh, city square in, in Europe. This is an apocryphal story. But, and then there's these three stone cutters, you know, doing cutting stones for the cathedral. And he goes up to the first person and says, hey, you know, what are you doing? And he says, I'm cutting stones. He goes up to the second person and said, so what are you doing? He says, I'm making a living for my family. And the third person, he goes, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a cathedral, you know. And what, is, what this means is that you get to define the meaning of your work. And so I try not to define me as a, as a role, as tasks. As, and so I, I try to define it as, as widely as I can, which is the idea of connecting people to meaning and purpose. I don't know. I, I get along with a lot of people. And... I have good relationships with people and I hope I try to provide value to people and it really allows me to go and connect with different people in the organization and just, just help them. How did you get your start uh, working in a, a academic medical center? Like how did you start at the university of Utah hospital and how did you come to have the position that you have right now? Let's see how it's about 13 years ago. You know, I was, I was working well 10 years ago. I was um, working at the business school at Michigan. I was running a career development office. And my wife, um, she got a job offer from the American Cancer Society down in Atlanta. And so we had actually made an agreement when we got married that when we got married, it would be her career would be first priority for about eight years. This is the time it would take her for to get her tenure and then to kind of get really established in the academic field. And then in that time, I'm going to support her. And so if she needed to move, I'll move with her. Mm-hmm. And so we decided, you know, we're going to go to Atlanta. And I, so I got a job at Emory. Uh, so I was going to run, you know, so, sort of the business uh, the development, career development office for the, for the business school of uh, Emory. And, um, but then Michigan came back and, and um, encountered and said, well, you know, 
we'll um we'll give my wife a promotion and then we'll just let your husband do whatever he wants at the med school <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to be married to people who you know and uh and so i said okay and so so there the med school's like what do you want to do i said i think leadership development is what i want to do and so I worked at the health system in the HR department, dealing with helping leaders in the hospital um, with very difficult challenges of leadership. I mean, you guys will see this, like you guys will be leaders, and you guys obviously are getting a strong technical training right now, because later on, you're going to be dealing with all these people, and they're, they're hard. And, <laughs> and so this is the same type of thing. And so, so I was helping leaders at the hospital work through how to lead people and how to get things done. And so, you know, and so I really liked, I really found that I liked medicine. I really like, I mean, obviously I'm not an MD, but the idea, I was in the military. In the military, you had the sense of duty and mission and service. And all those things also found to be true in hospitals, you know. And, um, you know, when I was thinking back about business schools and I was training investment bankers to go and whatever they do. And I said, do I want to do this anymore? And so I decided that, you know, I, I think I was going to transition a, away from business um, and go and um, work more closely with doctors, but, but eventually really students um, to help them. Because I think a lot of the leadership things um, that eventually will become very important are learned now for you guys, like now, you know. Yeah, and so, absolutely. Yeah, so I thought, you know, this would be best to do this now. And so... Again, like because I get to define my job very widely, you'll find that like as long as you can provide value to people, people will welcome you. And so um, when I was uh, when I was again, so my wife is the chair of population health sciences here, and so Vivian Lee, you know, called me up on the phone and says, you know. Uh, your wife is going to be the department chair. What do you want to do at the med school? Wife <laughs> <laughs> hooking it up with another job. <laughs> says, you got to love that yeah. question. <laughs> and so in Michigan, I said, she said, what do you do at Michigan? I said, well, essentially I help, I help the medical school with leadership development work, helping the students you know, under, d- develop into better professionals and leaders. And she says, well, you can do that here if you want. And so I said, okay. So I said, sign me up. And so, and, uh, so now I'm here. That's awesome. So most medical students come from a biology background and they've known they wanted to go to medical school for such a long time and they get into medical school and they're stuck in the same culture of medicine and biology. One thing that I really admire about you, Tony, and a huge asset um, that you are for our medical community is is the diverse background that you bring. Uh, Not only do you have experience in the medical world, but you also have experience in the business world and you have experience in a third branch, which I would consider the military. I think those are kind of three distinct cultures. I'm curious, what have you learned from uh, the business world or seen in the business world, um, and similarly in in, uh, your background with the military, that the medical community is lacking or could really benefit from? So after I went to the military and then I went back to get my MBA, and my job out of business school was was I was a finance analyst at Ford Motor Company. I worked at World Headquarters where I essentially added up numbers uh, to put in a PowerPoint to give to somebody to present to somebody higher up who will present the numbers to somebody higher up. And, um, you know, I was adding numbers. It's like, oh, for this quarter, did we earn, you know, was our revenues $13.1 billion or $13.3 billion? And, you know, I, just, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what, 
I don't, this doesn't really have that much meaning for me. And because I was in the military, in the military, you're, you're used to people relying on you and you're used to like having a real purpose. And now I'm here, I'm making, I was making really good money, but I couldn't, I was like, I, I don't know what I was really trying to do. And um, now, now business, I think what business has is business has customers and it, you can almost say, you know what, I'm going to serve my customers, but that still isn't quite the same degree. I could say, like, I can make, try to make the best cars I can for my customers, but it's still, I'm so far removed from actually a making of a car that I, I you know, and I tend to think of it as customers, you, you have transactions with customers. Like, they, do, they give you this and you give them that. But I think with patients, it's, it's kind of different. It's, I would call it, it's almost like a more of a covenant, right? It's, it's more meaningful. You know, and I feel like in the medical community, what's really what's really um, stands out for me is that you have the ability to see the impact of your work. And um, I had a friend who uh, said to me, he said, "Medicine is not about curing; medicine's about caring." You know, and I said, "Because you can't always cure the, the person, but you can always care for that person." You know, and so I feel like, so for me, like I feel the same way with education. You know, it's like. I could see the impact of my work here, right? And, um, and so in that way, like, just as you guys are going to go out and serve patients, and I sort of view my role here as to, to serve students. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that the medical community has uh, an awesome mission. And like you said, the, the value um, comes from almost a higher purpose. Um, but I'm curious as to what you think uh, the the benefit of having somebody with your background in the medical community is um, because you've obviously been able to provide value in the medical community without a medical knowledge or background. And so I'm, I'm curious as to what you think um, some of the most important things that you've been able to provide to the medical community are. I think especially from, I think the military experience probably highlights that the most, which is that, you know, when I was, um, I was an executive com- uh, officer for a, a company that's about 350 soldiers and this, the mission, the organization had a mission, and and obviously it's it really highlights that one person cannot do that mission. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do it through people, and um, and so there is in a way we're we're trying to. I'm always looking out like how can I how can I motivate this soldier to do the best job that he or she can do, and I'm always trying to figure out how can I get this person t- to really like dig in and, and, and kind of do the work. Um, the interesting thing I think about when I look at the, the, the medical field, it's, it's almost like the doctors are doing the main work. Like, now I'm not, now I'm not saying like, you know, nurses don't do anything, but like you see, kind of see how like really the doctors that are at the point of the delivery, mm-hmm. you know, and it's rather than, and so it kind of, the focus is on them, whereas in a lot of organizations, the focus is on the line people. And and the leaders are in a way kind of like figuring out how to how to support the line people. Mm-hmm. Here, in a way, it's like the line people are supporting the doctors. Yeah, and and so then when it comes, which is, you know, I'm I'm going to sort of leave that in terms of what it means for healthcare. But it, in terms of what it means for organizations, is that the organization wants to say, you know what, we're going to want to change something. And so there's a lot of doctors when they're brought up in sort of in this model, they say, well. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I know the answer, I'm just going to sort of give an order and then things will change. Of course, like that does not happen. Yeah. And it does not happen. And so it's, and so it, 
what I kind of bring in is like, we sort of know what the changes are, but then it really has to do with um, engaging people, talking to people a lot, and just and just understanding um, people's psychology, given that how fast things are changing. Mm-hmm. The, the ability to kind of get people to buy into change is like more important, especially I think for med students now versus uh, attendings now. I mean, when you guys are going to go into practice, the pace of change will go faster and faster. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys are actually find yourself like you guys will have to be the ones that are, have to be responsible for making the changes. And then therefore, then like, how are you going to do it? Well, you can't give orders because that's not going to work. Yeah. It's, you're going to probably need to go and, and you know, um, engage people. And so actually, I want to turn this back around on this topic, you know, about like, what's your thought about your own experiences about engaging people, you know? I think that's kind of tough mm-hmm. for us to answer right now just because we engage the library and our laptops more than pretty much <laughs> anything right now. Well, I think that's part of the problem, oh. right? We, we spend the first two years so focused on academics and, you know, not working as a team. You know, you're, you're competitive and you're trying to, uh, I don't know, outstudy your classmates yeah. and all the other <laughs> medical students in the nation. And so it's almost, it, it's, I, I think it's actually pretty siloing. And it's not until you jump into third year and not that we have experience with that, but that's when you start learning these, these skills and, and you have to bring back this whole teamwork. Yeah. Well, and I think what kind of what you said, I think it's interesting talking to third years now. I don't know how much learning of those skills there actually is in third year. You know, I don't know if you're really taught those things or if you're just kind of thrown into those situations and, you know, hope you can figure it out. And so I think that's one of the main goals that we have with this podcast and with the other stuff that we're doing with leadership and is to be able to give students who want to learn these skills a leg up so that when you get into third year and you're actually part of a healthcare team and you're working to facilitate the care of patients, that you can do that in a way that's going to be effective and that you can actually contribute to the team rather than just you know, being an anchor that slows everybody else down. Um, most physicians are going to be in a position of leadership at some point, right? And so from your experiences working with different physicians and everything, um, what qualities or what um, what lessons are you able to help physicians learn in order to make them either more effective leaders or more effective physicians or even just have a more fulfilling career? I actually try to talk to them and just listen to them, actually. It's a strange thing, but you know, I was reading this. Uh, I was reading this article by Vivek Murthy. He was a former Surgeon General, and he talked a lot about um, the idea of loneliness. And you think about it, you can you, you can see how medical school can be somewhat isolating. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you can see how even clinical practice, even though you're with patients a lot, but it can be isolating from the point of view that you're not really kind of sitting around. T- talking with your colleagues as much, you know. Mm-hmm. I actually tried to listen to what they say. And um, it's interesting how once you listen to somebody, um, they kind of soften up. And they kind of, they are almost able to access a different, um, a more, fe- like a different mindset or more open to ideas. And, and really it's just, I just kind of go around and talk to people. And I, I try to, try to give value and I'll, I'll tell you sort of the, the idea of like what is what is giving value mean I, I think 
it's um, I think there's like three ways. There's like you can either give them information, mm-hmm. like that they need to know. Uh, you can kind of uh, empathize. You can empathize with them and kind of see things from their point of view, or you can essentially make them feel good emotionally, like either like you know with jokes or whatever. I mean, yeah. I'm not a good joke teller, but <laughs> but I <laughs> but I am. Uh, I can go around and listen to people. And um, and provide people with some information about the what's kind of going on in the organization, just because I talked to a lot of people. So talk about that a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. for our listeners uh, that are trying to decide, you know, what they want to go into or how they want to practice healthcare, um, what are some things that you would advise patients who are struggling with either, you know, the organizational frustrations that come with you know healthcare these days or. Um, any of the issues that you work with physicians with, what is some of the advice that you give them once you open them up and once they kind of let their guard down? Um, what are some things that our listeners can can take away from uh, their experiences talking with you? I think there's a lot of pressure. I, I think there, you guys are obviously already, you guys know the pressures, right? And then so right now for, for you guys, there's a you're kind of in a way battling inside of you guys, sort of this, this outside pressures versus the inside, like there's a voice telling you that you should be doing X. You know, you should, do, you should really do this. <laughs> this is weird. And then, you know, but you can see how the healthcare system, the system itself is not set up as well as it could. Uh, uh, just sort of, as a, you know, it, it, even the, the doctors who are practicing within it don't really love, they almost have to fight the system to some degree. Yeah. And there's a, and, um, and I um I talked to them about obviously you know their frustrations, and they but they have thoughts that they always they're like I've always wanted to do X right I always wanted to do something, and they always they, it seems almost sometimes they need permission like but they you can see that they've been beaten down they they said these things to people and people have been saying like well I don't know if that make any sense you should go back to back in med school it's like you should go back and study. Then you should go back and do, you should do these practical things, <clears throat> and then, and then in a way, I'm just here to say, oh, well, no, that's, I think what you said makes sense, yeah. <clears throat> and so, and then it allows people to begin to kind of think about their own careers, and I think that's one thing that the 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 culture <clears throat> can do better with its with each other. I think <clears throat> once you're a doctor and you talk to other doctors, one needs to be a little bit more supportive harder said than done because if you're under a lot of pressure and you sort of are kind of pushing your own um, your own inner suppressing your own inner voice it's really hard for you to support somebody else's inner voice and so that's why I think for leaders it is important to be the ones that follow your inner voice not saying like you just do whatever you want but you know if you once you're able to do that, you can help that within others. Definitely. So, if I understand what you're saying, um, being able to find fulfillment in a career in medicine, in large part, has to do with uh, following that voice, right? Doing doing whatever you feel uh, is right for you. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, I used to be like 
I grew. I was born in like '72, so I was like used to be in the '80s. You talk to like doctors, and the and the the thing on TV is would be like, "Well, doctors are going to go play golf, yeah, tea times." And, <laughs> those and, days and, are you're, gone. and you're like, <laughs> "When was this ever the yeah. case?" Right? I mean, it's, it's, those days are gone. Yeah. <clears throat> and so now, essentially, it's like you're. It's going to be a challenge. And then I found that the the doctors who were the most fulfilled were the people that were able to define the challenges that they're going to take on. Yeah. I think that's I think that right there is the key. So how how can med students right now or residents or even physicians that are early on in their careers what are things that they can do to define that mission and define that purpose so that uh they don't have to have a 20-year career before they're able to I guess have those experiences where they're feeling fulfilled. I just think that no matter what I mean you can't let Whatever outside forces there are, dictate 100% of your life. Like, yes, you guys are going to have to study a lot. That's You guys really can't escape that. But you can't let that part be all of it. All of it. You must protect some time. I kind of just rough, rough, like rule of thumb, like 20% of the time, you need to, you need to put into something that you care about. You know, and if you're like, I don't know what I care about, well, just start doing something. <laughs> you know, because... It also takes it takes time for you to understand what you really care about, and so you can't just say. But so, it's sometimes it's going to be hard because it's between like, I can either do something that is I have a quiz on in about a week and a half, or I can do something kind of like undefined. And so, well, this undefined thing, I don't know. I'm going to have to start feeling guilty about it because I don't know what the goal. I don't know what the end result is. But the thing is that it takes about, it takes a couple of years for you to really see what it is, but you still need to protect that time um, and, and, and spend some time doing those things. So for, for medical students, um, well, what's something that someone could step away from this podcast and, and start working on right now? A little exercise or something they could, a question they could think about? I have, I have a couple of things for people to think about. In terms of like, if you if you step back from med school, like, what is it about? I was um, a couple of years ago when I was first um, asked to help change the med school curriculum at Michigan. I I mean, I was I was kind of new to medical education. I mean, I didn't go through it, so I mm-hmm. had to go ask a lot of people. And um, so I talked to a lot of faculty. I go, "What do you remember from med school?" And it's like, "Not very much." And you know, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me that right now. That's the last thing I need to hear. <laughs> No, you, they say that, but you actually will like retain more than it's like it'll be kind of there. It will actually retain more than you think. All right, things will come back to you. Nice save. <laughs> That's how I feel about first year. <laughs> right. like, there was something I learned. You remember that? Remember that time? Um, and so, and the, so I got a lot of that. And then I said, okay, well, what was the most important thing you learned in med school then? So I was the one of the best answers I got was from this pediatrician, and she said. The most important thing I learned in med school was that when I talk to my patients who are kids, I, I take a knee so I can talk to them at their eye level so that I can engage them better. That's the most important thing I learned from medical school. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right? And so the idea is like there's a couple of what you'll learn from medical school. I mean, yes, you're going to have a lot of knowledge, but the things that you really will impact you are really the things that um, it's about kind of how you hold yourself. You know, you're going to learn some ways of being. 
you're in a way teaching yourself how you're going to be a doc as a doctor, you know, by the choices that you make right now. Yeah. You know? And so one of the key choices is like, are you going to put your life on hold or not? You know? And, and so a lot of people put their lives on hold. They're like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, deny myself for, for a couple of years until I get to this point. The funny thing is, is I've heard a lot of physicians say that as medical students, we have more free time now than we'll ever have in practice, which seems impossible to me right now. But I've heard that from enough doctors that I think it's probably true. And so if we're postponing our lives and our happiness and our well-being now, we're never going to be able to manage that yeah. once we're in clinical practice actually seeing patients. Yeah. I always say, like, put in, put in a couple hours into something that you really care about because eventually those couple hours add up and then your job is going to be about that. But if you don't do that, it is like what they say. It's like you, you don't get – then you don't define your job. Your job is defined for you and then the, and it, kind of the pressure just gets And then the frustrations build. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so you have to kind of say, I'm not going to put my life on hold. And you're going you're gonna to live your life a certain way. And then if you learn how to do that, you actually will learn how to, you actually learn how to do that later. You know, you're building a foundation now. Yeah, building okay. a foundation now. You know what, how to set boundaries. It's like, so this is one of the key things is like set some boundaries. It's like I'm going to, here's like a, just a r- rough rule of thumb. Like meds, you being a med student is like a job. You know, and so if you spend much less than a real job, like if you spend 30 hours, like that's not enough. No. You can't do that. You can't be a good doctor. And, but if you go 80 hours, like you probably don't need that. You probably don't need, like you probably are putting things, too many things on hold, you know? And so if you, again, if you look at it, like a week is 168 hours, chop into thirds, you'll find that life is like about in thirds. Like a third of it is you're going to be like sleeping and eating and a third of it is going to be working, and a third of it you're going to be like playing and doing other things. And so figure out – so that's like 56 hours for a third. And so it's like, okay, I mean, granted, different things – different – if you want to be certain specialties, you'll have to do more or less. But roughly speaking, like there's a certain bucket that fills. And then you don't want to let that third creep into a bunch of the other third. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's one thing that – so you have to define boundaries. And when it's time to play, you go play. Yeah. You know, that's, you know. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I think one of the things that I've heard um, from a couple of physicians that we've talked to is when you're going to take time away, make sure that time away is refilling your tank. Yeah. Right? Like, don't don't waste that time away, you know, cruising social media or sitting around watching, you know, mindless TV or something like that. Like, if you're going to have limited time off, use that time to do stuff that you really want to do because that's going to recharge your batteries and allow you to maximize that time that you're putting towards studying. Yeah. Some of the most productive people I know are doctors. They're so much more productive than I am even. Like, I'm pretty productive. <laughs> yeah, I've, like, I've seen your spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, right. But they're like, I was like, wow, you're like, you got, you got this thing down to a T. And it's kind of about self-management. And so this medical school is a good time to manage yourself. Again, it is kind of true. Like, you'll have the most free time that you will have ever. But the thing is, is actually later on you'll be busier. But if you get to, if you do it right, you'll be busy with the stuff you really like. Yeah. So it it won't feel like the way it feels a lot of times where you're like, what is the point of this? You know. And so it will actually be really meaningful. And so, but it is it's really good to manage your manage yourself. So yeah. Got one other one, which is about the other question is like, are you going to do it for your Achievement, or are you going to do it for other people? Which is, 
it's kind of like this is a key thing. I, I talked to a lot of fourth years people who graduated med school, and they say like, when did med school like really change for you? A lot of people was like third year, and when what happened was. Like, I would go in third year and I would, like, you know, be really stressed out about grades because, like, you're kind of like this sort of semi-incompetent, you yeah. know, doctor <laughs> kind of going in there. You should know stuff, but it's things are coming at you so fast. And then you feel kind of dumb and you, you know, but then at some point you kind of say, you know what, that's, I'm just too focused on myself. Like, yeah, I'm going to look dumb, but, like, I'm just, I'm just too self-absorbed, really. Like, what if I was not so self-absorbed about my, like, you know, just the fact that I'm not, Quite the, and then I really just focus on helping people. That and then it's strangely, but a, a, a switch flips at that point, and they become actually a lot more happy and a lot more effective. And it's kind of like that. I, I, a lot of students do have flip, and sometimes it doesn't flip. And there are some people they kind of like they do things for themselves. And so when they say like I need a, you know, when they say I need a good step score. The question is, like, are you doing that for yourself or are you really doing it for your patients or are you doing it because you're afraid? Like, and are you yeah. self-absorbed? And, and now I don't want to go around blaming people. Again, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And so it's easy to kind of fall into that. But it is, it is kind of an um, important thing in med, med school to, at some point to kind of be able to see that, how to flip that switch. What do you think causes that flip? What do you think causes that switch to flip in some people and not in others during third year when they finally start seeing patients? I think it's whether they have defined a good purpose for why they're going to go into medicine. And this is one of the reasons why we want to do this. It's like, what is your purpose? We're going to ask people. And if they have a good purpose, the flip, the switch can get flipped. Yeah. When you can f- focus your attention outwards, that's one. But, but if you're like, if you're, let's say, in First and second year, you are just kind of focused on yourself for two full years. Yeah, that's not that's not a good habit it's to build. Not into, it's yeah. not good. You're not really pro- you're not pro- developing yourself as a professional. The professional is really focused on outwards. You know, so so yeah, that's why actually the first two years is still quite important. Like you got to do something, but you got to still keep that foothold out in the professional space, whether it be clinics or patient presentation, all those type of things. You've got to still do those things. Mm-hmm. If you don't, what happens is you'll go through and it's hard to flip that switch. Yeah, you start to lose the why, right? Yeah. And then you can't, if you don't flip the switch, then you're, again, you're in, you're in your head. And then, you, it's, it, then you, you're more fragile. You're vulnerable, you know? And so that's, that's another thing. And then, but some people can still grind it out and then they go on and they, but they still do things for themselves. Like, you, see, you know, I'm just saying you see that. I mean, yeah, we both, yeah. Yeah, you see that. And so you don't want to be that person, mm-hmm. right? And so, again, it's a good good thing to develop that that habit in med school. Yeah, I uh, think that reminds me of a quote. It was like, uh, if your why is strong enough, you can um, you can endure any how. Yeah. Right? Frederick and, Nietzsche. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And so being able to um, keep that why at the forefront of our mind, whether it is, you know, volunteering in clinics or – patient presentations or things that actually remind us like why we're here in the first place and why we're working so hard and why we're studying so many hours that makes the hours studying one more productive and two less miserable. Yeah. Right. If you could give every med student in the country two pieces of advice right now, whether they're first year, second year, third year, fourth year, it doesn't matter if you could give them two pieces of advice to help them, um, 
plan for a fulfilling career in medicine or avoid burnout down the road, whether it's chasing the positive or avoiding the negative, what are two pieces of advice that you would give if you could tell every med student two things? So the first one is that it's a real privilege to be in med school. It may not feel like a privilege, but it is a real privilege to be in med school. You know, we are very, very lucky people here. Oh, yeah. And, and how we look at things really determines our world, you know. And um, if you kind of look at from that point of view, like, we, you know, you guys get to, like, study medicine, and then you get to use it. It's like, you know, that if you just kind of think about that, like, you know, you can get through a lot of things, all right? And so it's it, a lot of it is less about how things are in the world. Like, there's so few things we can actually change. There's... I think there was like this, uh, I was reading about like, we can actually only affect about 5% of the things outside of us that in the world, really, like in our, in our space, everything, okay. because I can't change, I can't change other, the other people around me. Yeah. Like they are who they are. Right. And so, and so really the work is in ourselves. And so the work in ourselves is like in how we look at the situation and we're never going to be free of frustration. Like there's always frustration. And so we can't always let that, get too big we always we have to look at we have to find ways to be grateful for the for for the situation that we're in and the other one is that um it's important to maintain connections with other people and um i mean i i i understand that like sometimes when you're studying like it's not the most efficient to do it with other people i'm not saying like you should always study with other people but like you you it's important like when when the pressure goes up that you have to make maintain contact and connection with people sometimes that's early things that kind of drop off is the kind of like making making time for for classmates and friends and mm-hmm. family and um i mean if you can kind of think of this way it's like can you can you like have like 10 million dollars and be really miserable like you know yeah absolutely you can like can you like have a you know, hundred. No, you can't. Okay. So, <laughs> it depends well, on let's, who you let's ask. have a test, and we can kind of well, we can tell you about whether that get um, some NIH funding for yeah, that test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and then the other one is like, you know, if you have like, if you're an academic, you know, can you like have like, you know, hundred publications and all this titles can be miserable? Like, yeah, you can, right? But if you have a lot of good friends that you're with a lot, like, can you be like actively miserable? Like. Not really. Like, you're, you're kind of like, that's kind of the key thing. It's like you, you need that connection with people. Um, well, and I think that's one of the unique opportunities in medicine, right, especially medical school, is is we're constantly surrounded by very impressive, high-achieving, uh, driven, intelligent people. Like, if you think about a really cool group of people to hang out with every day, medical students are kind of awesome. You know, everybody kind of took their own route to get here. But like you said, we're we're lucky to be here. Yeah. You know, to think about how happy we were when we got accepted to medical school to come on this sometimes painful journey. But really we're surrounded by amazing people every day. At the end of the day we're gonna be treating patients and helping people. Like those are two huge perspectives, I think. Yeah. I think I think med students are really um exceptional. Like you know, I, I really feel like I feel like really privileged to be working with med students. And so, um, yeah. And so like everybody is quite exceptional, like 
from the faculty on down to the students. And um, but we're we're we haven't figured out the right way to relate to each other, <laughs> you know. And because yeah. of that, we're not really optimizing this experience as much as we can. Yeah. So what what can we do to wrap this up? What can we do to optimize that experience? What are some things that you think um, med students can do, or even you know attendings and residents can do to optimize that experience because there is such an opportunity available? From the point of view of we had already talked about sort of the idea of self-management. And the other one is essentially, you know, I'm an introvert, so I don't just naturally go up and talk to people. I, I actually had to make myself, like I was, when I was in business school, I was teaching people how to network. I had to, <laughs> I had to, I had to make myself do it first. Yeah. And so I'd say, but in order to do it, I had to set a goal for myself. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, going to meet 10 people to, in the next three weeks. And, you know, and yeah. so, and um, and so it's imp- I think it's important to go and um, go out and meet new people, and and invest in relationships, and so that's going to take a little bit of time, and so you want to come out of med school with a couple of good mentors. So you, that's going to take some time to develop. Yeah. And you want some good contact with classmates, you know. And it's like it's good while you're here, and it's going to pay off later. It, it, and especially for opportunities for, for jobs and things like that. Oh, yeah. But, but um, those are the two things that if you may, if you, it's like the main takeaway is like people help other people. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, if you have that mentality, reach out to other people, build relationship people, help other people. If you do that, generally speaking, you're going to be doing the right thing. Tony, we are so lucky to have you here at our university and Bridger and I are especially lucky to get a lot of FaceTime with you. Uh, for some of our other listeners at other other universities, I'm curious, what other resources online or uh, within their programs would you recommend they, they reach out to with help exploring some of these ideas a little bit further? At most medical schools, so the reason why, you know, the faculty, they, would, they work in a med school versus they work in private practice where they can earn a lot more money is because the environment is much more interesting. And so you'll find that a lot of, a lot of doctors, I mean, once, especially, I, I know this because I've talked to so many, and they, like, they really do enjoy talking to med students. And so I would almost like, instead of like online resources, I would almost say you can, there are people around you in, meds, in medical school faculty that you just go and start talking with them and get to know them. They actually really want to tell their story to you guys. They really do. Yeah, and uh, if you do that, that's that's probably the best resource. The best resource is like the other people. Again, these people, these faculty, they were people. They were like like you guys one time, right? <laughs> and they want to relate back to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's actually pretty. It's actually a cool thing for them to do that with you guys. I mean, some of them have rougher edges, but you know, it's, you know, it's it's just people are people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that to me is like the, the number one resource. Cool. All right. So to summarize, we've got. Get out of your comfort zone, even if you're an introvert, and meet people, your classmates and mentors. Remember how lucky and excited you were or excited you felt to come to medical school in the first place and remember why you came to medical school in the first place. And uh, that's a a good foundation to build on for a a happy career in medicine. Yeah. I mean, you realize, look, once you talk about those things, you talk about med med school is a really – amazing time in your life 
Med school is an amazing time in our lives, and yes. we are exceptional. That is, that is, you that is the moral of the story. I don't know about you, Bridget, but I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling exceptional. <laughs> I'm just going to replay this episode over and over exactly. every day before I go into lecture. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for coming on, Tony. Thank Appreciate you for having it. me. Yep.